Hello, and welcome to our podcast, The Midnight Ramblings. I am Carrie Ofstein-Rosenthal, and I am with Jenny Silverstein. And if you're joining us for the first time and you're wondering what all of this is about, um, Jenny and I are two menopausal ladies who can't sleep at night. Um, So we decided to create a podcast about what we think about when we can't sleep in the middle of the night. So as we like to say, let's get ready to ramble. (laughs) I love it. All right. So I feel so fortunate to have Kim Gordon on the podcast today. She is my neighbor and she's also um, an interior designer and they call her an interior diviner. She's told me because she's just tapped in. She's tapped into the source or whatever we want to call it. And I just hit it off with her right away. So yay, I'm so happy you're on. And I also have sitting next to me a dear friend of mine, Nada Marshall. And all I can say about her, I've known her forever, is she's just one of the wisest people I know. And so she's just going to be sitting in and may ask a question or two as we as we talk. So Kim, I'm going to ask you, what is something lately that you've been thinking about in the middle of the night? Thank you very much for the nice introduction. Um there's so many things. I think the most amazing thing and why I was so intrigued by your idea of ramblings in the middle of the night is how, and, and you guys can tell me if you relate to this, why is it always negative, right? Like the ramblings in the middle of the night for me are always the worst. Like I just sit there going, oh my God, I got a headache. It must be brain cancer. Oh my God, the <laughs> owl, which we're going to get in, right? Yes. Then, then we have these owls, which we're going to get into in a second because Jenny and I share a backyard and we have been inundated by these owls and they have been back and forth. And I don't know about Jenny, but I also have been reading about owls. And I went outside the other day and hit a flashlight and was looking at one and it was like ripping apart a rat. I could see it in the tree, oh just chewing up a rat. <laughs> okay. And I was like, oh my God, yummy. You know, it's like, like, I don't know. It was kind of, I don't know. It was a treat. So, However, then they got quiet. Did you notice they've been quiet lately, Jenny? Yes. Yes. So in the middle of the nights, I start laying there and I'll tell you, it's a big story actually why I think they're quiet. But as I'm laying there back to negative, oh my God, I bet that rat had rat poison on it. And now the owl is dead. This is what I had because owls apparently get married. So they're calling back and forth, him and her like, yo, did you get that rat? And he's like, yeah, I got it, but I'm just going to eat it. It's kind of little. And then it died. It goes from, oh, my God, those owls, they sound so cool, to why the fuck won't these owls shut up, to, oh, my God, it's quiet because it's dead. And then you wake up at four and you hear it again and you go, oh, okay, they're fine. I have, like, total um, extreme midnight ramblings. So I have Mm -hmm. that negative thing for sure. And then I have, I think I talked about it maybe in one of the other podcasts, I almost feel like I'm manic. Like, you know what I think I'm going to do today? You know what I'm going to do? I yes. am going to do a fucking podcast. Do you know what I think I'm going to do? You know what? <laughs> yeah, totally. And like me this morning, I made a cake. I got the pork cracklins and I got the pork stew. It's Valentine's Day. I should cook my ass off in the morning. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> so, I mean, to me, I do both. How about you guys? You know, I was just telling Nada this this morning about the two wolves. It's like, which side are you going to feed? You know, there's mm-hmm. the negative and the positive. There's the fear and there's the faith. And I think your example of the owl, like, oh, hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo, because I hear them too, you know? And then you're just like, what a beautiful place we live. What a beautiful backyard. Nature is at our 
you know, doorstep or whatever. And then all of a sudden you look out and you see it ripping up a rat. So I, I think that we have to ask ourselves, which side am I feeding? And it, it's like a conversation in our mind. But I know that my friend Nada can attest to the fact that when you meditate and quiet the mind, because she's one that I don't think has that much trouble sleeping. Yeah, I don't like people like that. <laughs> As you girls are speaking about this, my mind couldn't help but to wander about how we as women were intuitive and we think deeply and we're in tune with something else, a sixth sense, something that that is a gift of the feminine. And I think that gift sometimes does keep us up at night. And I don't mean to be bringing sadness in, but um, my dog died this week. And oh, no. It was very, very, no, no. And it was very sudden. But it, when you guys were talking about the good thoughts and the bad thoughts, when I woke up in the middle of the night, I said, I just need to turn her sudden death into all the happiness she gave me, right? But that's the trick. So it made me think about like, how do you change from the rat to the woo-woos? And before this all began, the, the four of us talked about how we're culturally different as a Jewish woman and very sort of neurotic. I just thought we could also bring in how our different cultures and backgrounds sort of affect why midnight ramblings tend to veer to the negative. And that's mm -hmm. what I was in interested in knowing if that is a, you know, who you are, you know, right. is it just you're, you're protecting yourself or is it natural because your mother did it and your father did and they, you know, like for example, when I used to, when I was very young, whenever I would perform, I would always imagine that I would mess up because I thought I, it was sort of superstition. I'm sure I got that from my family because they were like, well, if you assume the worst, then you're always going to be happy. That's <laughs> like my family too. And I'm not even Jewish. Yes. <laughs> so, my question, so my question then gets back to, I mean, I just would be interested in Jenny, you're from South Africa and Nada has a very interesting background, which I'll let her speak to. You know, I'm also Jewish from South Africa. Mine rambling also goes to the negative, Kim. So I can mm -hmm. totally relate to what you're saying. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, Jewish people as a culture, like you were saying, Carrie, tend to lean toward neuroticism or anxiety, or, you know, it's just part of, you know, um, the di diaspora of just, you know, who we are as a culture. When it goes, when it leans to the negative, and, and on top of that, it can explode into this massive anxiety. My cultural lean-in is toward trying to solve the problem, like trying to yes. solve, you know, like, okay, how can I make this better? What can I do? How can I, and that takes me on like a million different pathways to, you know, and then before I know it, it's like the sun's coming up and I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, now I'm exhausted and I have the whole day ahead of me. So I think my culture um, adds to that. My parents immigrating from South Africa to the United States, my grandparents escaping from Russia and Germany during the Holocaust. Like there's a whole lineage of, you know, um, kind of orphan archetypes or like escaping from one place to another to try to find a better place. And I think in my mind, there's a feeling of how can I find a better place? Jenny, I was thinking that that had such a metaphor really about you saying that you were leaving and trying to find your place. You know how your family was doing that in a way that's kind of what we're doing at night. Right. Yes. We're in bed and we're sort of looking at it like you're, you're really trying to get to back to sleep or whatever. And or just at least to find peace. And you're really maybe that's what that's I just thought that was an interesting I, metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. I think just along those lines, I think isn't sleep, you know, finding our way back home. Yeah. You know, we're all trying to find our way to peace. 
you know, and are you the wise owl at peace in your relationship? The hoo-hoo, you know, or are you chewing <laughs> up the rat? Are you constantly anxious, constantly trying to make it right? So I have to go to NADA because I, you're, apparently you sleep, so you're at peace. I will say, I do think hormones play a huge role. And when my hormones aren't quite right, speaking of menopause, I will have some sleepless nights. If we're going to go to cultural backgrounds, you really have planted a seed in my mind. I am Puerto Rican and I am Palestinian. And I think that on a cellular level, speaking of that, you know, you all have that history in you, uh, like it or not. And I think that, yes, on the Palestinian side, uh, my father had 16 siblings and they were refugees and fled to Lebanon. Uh, They left Palestine. And I think also as a Puerto Rican, my mom left Puerto Rico and went to New York. And I think ultimately on a cellular level, there is an adventure in me. There is part of me that is always looking to make better and start anew. And I know that I can. And so Mm -hmm. when I do wake up in the night worrying about my children, I immediately go to solution instead of worry. Yes. And that's the thing that I was going to say is so back. So I'm wearing, I know, don't think I'm creepy, but I am wearing my little dog's dog tags because I just wanted to hear my heart. I couldn't hear her voice. So in the middle of the night, all I could think about was the loss. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out the space of what she would say to me because she never said anything to me. She just loved me. And so that's why I finally decided about in terms of solution to do this, because it's the physical manifestation of this just sort of unconditional love that Mm. she gave me. And the reason I'm mentioning that is that I certainly have woken up recently in the middle of the night. And at first it really was the rat being chewed up. I mean, it was just sad, you know, deeply sad. I know that moving forward, all of these things are the right step. And it takes time for the head to meet the heart and to really feel better. It depends on on the experience. And certainly when there's a loss, you're going to be more restless and the head and the heart are going to need time to heal and, and let go of that presence and, and put it in its place. I think speaking of letting go, I, I think there's so much synchronicity and beauty in you having those tags mm-hmm. on your neck in today's conversation, because I can't help but to notice that death has been part of today's conversation many times with the rat, the owl, the, you know, waking up in the night, because really, what do we fear the most? When we wake up in the night, it's fear that sometimes um, visits us. And ultimately, the fear is to die, right? And, And as Americans, our culture, we don't celebrate death enough. We really Mm -hmm. ignore it. We fear it. We don't embrace it. We don't sit around our elderly as they pass. Um, uh, Just like we would sit around and um, embrace life. You know, we don't equally embrace death. Death is beautiful. It is part of the process. And it's whatever your belief system is around death, there's so much beauty in death. And when we can embrace it, and understand that that is part of living, then Mm -hmm. fear can leave us. I love that. You know, it's funny, or not really, but one of the things um, about going back to the owl. So I'm going to tell you guys, and I hope it's not, this is so intense, what I'm about to say, I think. Say it. Because that's right to your point. So I had cancer and it was a very bad cancer and it had a component to it 
it was triple negative breast cancer, which is, which is very rare. And then on top of it, it had this androgen component to it, which makes it even rarer still. And I went through all that and I went, I did some crazy meditations. I went through all the chemo. I went through a study with immunology drugs and I did all these things when, but I was always a kind of paranoid. I always had a little bit of anxiety my whole life where I would always go like, Oh my God, I'm a panic attack. Or, you know, my whole life, it was almost like I wasn't really living in a way. I was always afraid to die. Or I always had this weird thing. When I had my first son, Miles, I was always terrified he was going to die. I was always afraid it was going to be taken away. He was going to be taken away. And I kind of lived with this idea of the stress and the fear around dying. And then I get presented with this cancer, which is it's a miracle, thank goodness, that I did everything and I had access and, you know, all these things went to good doctors and whatever. And so now I'm negative. So cut to my neighbor across our neighbor across the street is a very famous uh, research cancer research scientist. And she said to me, um, oh, you know, who's your doctor? And she knew about my cancer. She knows all the aspects of it. And she drops that she has been approached by a certain doctor group at Cedar sinai which is where I went, that people who have triple negative breast cancer and have the androgen component have more of an aspect to have a recurrence. So I've been feeling, I knew this from the beginning, but as I'm walking with her, I, lo- I lose it. Like I'm feeling it immediately. I drop back in my, fuck, I knew this. I, I knew this. I've been, I forgot about it. And you've been living in the space of I'm over it. I'm done. I'm getting healthy and this, but you forgot, Kim, that this aspect is part of you. And then you're now part of a study, probably. And I mentioned the name of the doctor. And sure as hell, this is the doctor, just because that's how the world works, is who it is. It's the same guy. Huh. So now I'm comp- now I do this, okay? Is that good or bad? Does that mean that the gods are with me or against me? I'm getting spiraling. I decide to write the, cer- the doctors I know. And he doesn't write back. Four days. Five days. Oh six God. days. I am now gone. And I'm thinking, okay, I just got to feel better about this. So I contact this kind of what I call a bruja. What is a bruja? She's like a witchy lady. You know, it's like someone who's going to work on energy and she works on different, different ways. She puts me on the table and, you know, it's kind of like a massage table. She's got crystals and she kind of does this humming thing and she's got some crazy music and you have to get over that. Right. So I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm in it. And then I close my eyes and I go deep. She said, you know, I feel like there's something for you to forgive yourself, something about, I know, something to forgive. And I think it's around children. Mm. And I close, I know, and I close my eyes and I went in there and I'm out. Like I'm really, she's got some incense. I'm not sure what kind of stuff's in that incense. I am doing <laughs> breath work with this lady. I am just, she's got this music. <sighs> I'm breathing. And all of a sudden, I kind of feel really bad about kids. I, now, whether or not this is a past life, I don't know what happened to me, but I started thinking that maybe I wasn't all that great with kids at some point. You could, whatever it is, I'm just going to say that this is where my head went instantly. And all of a sudden, this huge thing came to my right in my mind's eye. And I said, is that, a, I say out loud, is that a mountain? Oh, no, it's him, I said. And I start bawling. Oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. So happy to see, no idea who this guy is. I'm now crying on this table. Oh my God. And then it's quiet for a second. And he shows me an owl, Jenny. And I see the owl and I look and I go, wait, no, I don't want to go back now. I don't want to go back now. It's different now. I have kids and I want to stay. And he just, and when he disappeared, are you ready? The fucking lady says he's gone. And I'm like, the fuck? 
And I just, I, I'm like, what? And I just, but when I closed my eyes again, you know what I said, Jenny? You might cry. What? I said, if this was true, make the owls quiet. <gasps> what? I swear Him. to my children's life. You can ask Mauricio in the next room. Oh my God. Wait, that night I go to sleep. And you know, and I know there ain't no freaking owls out there after oh. a cacophony of owls. Yes, the owls are quiet. I've noticed that. You said it earlier in the podcast. I did. I lay in bed at four in the morning. At one in the morning, I was got to get up and pee. Okay. Get up and pee and I lay there. That's the one I can usually go back to sleep pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pee, lay in bed. There's no owl. Oh, holy fuck. There's no owl. I fall back to sleep four in the morning. I wake up again. No oh my owl. God, there's no owl. I'm listening and listening. And that's when I decided it died because it ate the rat. But anyway, so I'm just laying there going like, so then I just cannot believe it. I haven't said it to anybody, but I'm walking around with a little teary. I'm teary. I don't know who this person, whatever that was. I don't even know. But I decided, it, I didn't know what to say. I don't even want to say, oh my God, it's true. I, I guess I chose life. I, I don't even know what happened. What does that mean? So at four o'clock that day, I'm looking at my emails in my bedroom and it's the doctor. He writes back and I'm like, oh, and he's like, hey, sorry, I was you know, so busy. And he said, um, you know, no, no, you're not part of that study because you are one of the rare ones. And because of the way that your cancer works, da, 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 you're not going to get it back. You're this and this, you're a hero in the thing and da, da, da. So you're not on Heather's desk and you're not going to be this and this because you're this, this, and this. Wait, I heard an owl. It's four in the afternoon. Yes, the I sun heard that is shining. Four in the afternoon. That was the and I said, Was that a dove? And I go to the window and I listen, and it's the fucking owl at hot sun, four in the yes, afternoon. Yes, I heard that. I, no, I, I, this is two days ago, whenever it was. Yeah. And I was like, Holy shit. And I just sat down, closed my eyes, and just didn't know. The idea, right, is that I don't know. And I'm going, Oh my God, the owls at four in the afternoon. They never. And that night, silent again. Yeah. And that was two nights ago. I okay. don't know what to say. I write to that Journeys to Heal lady. And I'm like, I, I just have to tell you this. And I just said, I, I don't know. Is, does that mean that, like, what does that mean? And she said, it means you chose life. It means that because you're here, you have the strength to choose life. And you've chosen it. And I was so, I just, and, and now it's a new chapter in your life. And the owls are just letting you know how uh, fucking crazy is that? And it's okay. true to my children's life. I'm not kidding. So my son, oh God, I can't believe I'm bringing this up again, but my, my son found my dog. He had been playing with her oh. in the bathroom and then she was on the ground dead. And anyway, so he said to me, mom, I need to figure out death. I need to figure out where people go. I need to understand spirits. And so as I'm listening to Kim talk, I'm thinking about the fact that when she was saying I'm choosing life, and then I said to Jonah, you know, when I read Many Lives, Many Masters, I don't know that I know that any of it's true. What I know is that to believe it makes me feel better. Yes. And to believe it doesn't hurt anybody. So even if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. even if I'm 100% wrong, there are certain thoughts you can have in your life just because they make you feel better. And there's right. nothing wrong about that. What it was just bringing to my mind was Carl Jung's writing on synchronicity and, and how nature is the perfect mirror for what is going on in your inner landscape in the outer landscape and the owls and all of the things that come into your conscious life 
are manifestations of your unconscious life. Um, and I, I feel like this was a direct message to you, Kim, because you, there is no way that you couldn't choose life. You have so much life. Well, that, no, no, I have to interrupt you because this is a big deal. When I found no, out I had, and why this is connected is because when I first found I had cancer, like that second and just life, I said, wow, do I actually want to be here? That was the first thing. Of course, we want to be here for our kids. Of course, I know. we got that. Got you've, you've told me that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and when you really sit there and think about it, I kind of was like, I don't know. The world's pretty fucked up. We got a, a, a horrible person in office. The, the work was really me. I mean, I went from zero to nothing. I went from zero to like great kind of with work, meaning success. But it was a lot of people got mad and I really didn't know. And it took me a minute. I can tell you, it took me a long minute for me to say, I really... I kind of think I want to be here. And the only thing that brought me to the other side, without a doubt, was when I was talking to my son and it was right when they found I had cancer, kind of. And there was, oh no, his father, their, their father called me. And he said something like, oh, you know, the boys are just thinking that you're, you know, crabby right now or something like this. You've been working so hard and he had, well, he's a jerk. Okay, let's be clear. But, and he, but when he said that, something came into me, right? I immediately went into my essence that is not just a fighter, but someone who's like, I'm sorry, what? And the thing that hit me was, wait a second, Kim Gordon, it is so easy for you to check out right now. Your kids are getting to a certain age where they're questioning you. You've got this dickhead of an ex-husband. You've got these intense work jobs. Oh my God, yes. If I could die right now, fuck, like, you know, easy peasy. I had a lot of energy around Carl Jung. I had a lot of energy around mythology. I had a lot of energy about being a mother of boys at a certain age that moms have to die for the boys to be able to be bigger and better. When I realized that I had been, my kids have no idea how to cook an egg or how to make anything, I laid there and went, yeah, I've, I've actually haven't really been there in a way. Like I haven't really been there as a mom to teach them to say, the hard work of giving and pulling back and watching them suffer and teaching them and have them know who women are, not just about being powerful, but who they are in relationship, who they can be to them to give them space or otherwise. It was like that hockey stick that you have over your head on my head. It went gunk. And I just said, oh my God, it is easier to check out. Hold on a second. I I can't do that. They're going to think I was kind of bitchy and really intense with work. And they didn't even know who the richness of who I am. And they don't even know how to do fucking laundry. They don't even know where the paper towels are in our house. When I realized this, I was like, that's what I need. I, I have to stick around at least for them. But then as time went on, the fear, like you say, it kind of catches you. And that, and the scientist neighbor across the street saying, you know, um, yeah, you know, you know, people with your cancer, it often comes back. This is so profound. I just am so happy that you're on this podcast today because whoever listens, whether there's one listener or many, it's so helpful. When I said that you are a manifester and you have so much to share and give, I know how hard it was for you to make the decision. And it is a decision, I believe, because it's easy to check out whether you die or you're still here and you're dead. And drinking yeah. wine. That's forget right. the drinking, the checking Whenever, out. Right. Whether you're actually dead or numbed out to life. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a choice. Totally. It's a choice. And you laid there. And by the way, the person that I see 
who shows up is your essence. And that's the manifester. Now, whether you manifest your company, which I know is amazing, and or being a mom, or just being a freaking good person. Like, Kim is the only person in our, in our street who would literally drop off, like, a cake at, like, 2 a.m. or whatever, or give, give, she would give her, like, heart to, to someone. You're just one of those people. I just think that there was something in the story when you went to the, the, the witchy woman, something that struck me when you came back with this decision that you have to be here for your kids, that there was, there was like a crossover that happened and you've shown up so much for these kids. Cause I've seen it. And you know, your son just got into these amazing colleges. They know how to make eggs and you are the owl. Like whether you're the owl eating the rat, you know, whether you're the owl eating the rat or whether you're the owl, those owls went silent for a while. And I, I didn't hear him either. And I was like, I know. the idea that they were quiet and you recognized it also. I did. Like, it's just like, I mean, I'm but thinking, listen, did I I not- this is what the, the message is. Sometimes our wisdom and our highest self goes quiet and we don't, we, we forget it's there. We forget it's there. And we only feel like the rat chewing on that rat or, or, or whatever, or the rat. And we doubt ourselves and we want to check out. And I see it every day with my clients and with myself, you know, like what, mm-hmm. this is too freaking hard. I don't want to be here anymore. Like, look, and then we find evidence to make that true. Well, we've got this asshole in office and, you know, look at this shithead that I'm whatever, you know, I can go on and on, but it's, and then the owls are quiet at that time, but guess what? They're never quiet. They're always there. And may I, may I also add to that, that the owl, his perception or her perception, that owl is eating the rat for sustenance. The owl wasn't just chewing up a rat. The owl was eating and digesting the rat. Yeah. So as the rat was, and by the way, does not see that as a nasty, skanky thing. It literally is like yummy. That's actually a beautiful French baguette. But like, how beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. That's a very part of ourselves that we reject and that's fear-based. We eat. Outside of us. Remember, the rat is a complete outside and hunted. Right. The wise owl had to find that, chase that rat. I don't even know how, I mean, where to get it. I'm guessing rats are pretty quick. Like this owl had to get it and was just munching out like it was eating chicken right. when it was watching the game. And maybe, maybe we need that rat as a reminder. You need right. it because if you don't have the rat, you don't have the sustenance. I loved that word you chose, Kim. The sustenance. It's like, you know, we need we need the ups and downs to, mm-hmm. to appreciate life and to get through life and to learn. Yes, and to do something with the rat. As the rat is rambling, what are you going to do with it? You're not ignoring it. You're not running it away. You're kind of like, let me digest this thing so I can get it out of me, which you're going to poop out later. And so to answer your question, Kim, when you said, why do I wake up in the middle of the night with negative thoughts? Mm -hmm. Because because you need that learning. You need that sustenance to then... To that, right? I mean, I think that- Right, keep, and also, I'm sorry, really quick, Nada, isn't it true then that we're keeping what's good? If we're eating the rat, the bad comes out, right? And then the the good stuff is soaked in. Someone once told me a story, and I'm not going to do it any justice, but it's about um, an owl and and a rabbit and how, you know, everybody feels sorry for the rabbit because it's getting eaten by the owl. Right. But if you really look at it, sometimes the rabbit- jumps up into the owl's talons Mm -hmm. because it is sacrificing itself because 
it's saying to the other rabbits, I've never flown so high. I've never knew that the world looked like this. I've never known mm-hmm. that there were oceans so large and trees so beautiful. Mm. And, you know, there is beauty in death. I had a great honor of witnessing my uh, stepfather's death. Um, it is such a gift. And I have to say, Carrie, a tremendous gift that your son was able to witness the death of your dog because we hide these things from Mm -hmm. children. And that is why we are so afraid. Yes. We are so afraid of death. And I'm sure, Kim, that when you went through your cancer, so many lessons came. And so much shifting and changing in your being came as as a result of going through that. And I think that we fear the hard stuff in life and it doesn't allow us to live. But mm-hmm. the hard stuff is when we learn the most. You yeah. had to chew the rat cancer. The rat cancer is what brought you to the, the heights yes. of the of the owl. Yes, yes absolutely, um, 100%. You know, the owl, you know, just, I've been trying to track down those owls and I, I've seen them before, but not lately. I just hear them and they know how to hide and they know when to appear. They know mm-hmm. when to be quiet and they know when to be heard. And mm-hmm. they are in relationship, just like you said, calling each other. And, and, it, and when they do, they, like you said, the owls are married. Who said that, Kim? I did. Yeah, there was some uh, owls. They, they seem to have long, they're very known for family, I guess. I don't right. know. I have not looked that up officially. I've heard this before. I have right. to and, and I think that when we reach that kind of place within ourselves of quiet, of wisdom, of knowing when to call our partner or our child from a higher place. You know, we've chewed the rats. We've, we've felt the fear, you know, but now we're sitting in a place of peace and we're, we're okay. And sometimes, you know, we won't know that like the quiet for many, Mm -hmm. many months or many days or whatever. And then the doctor emails and you're like, I'm okay. I knew I was okay. I wasn't going to listen to the neighbor because Yes, I can always go to that place of fear. I can always go to chewing the rat. But deep within, I know that I'm not supposed to leave this earth yet. Yeah, and, and I chewed I, the rat. I chewed the rat. I was chewing the rat. Yeah. And then, you know, remember, to going back to your point of it, it, the owl knows when to keep itself known or not. Remember what happened. What are the chances that I actually saw an owl eating a rat? Like, not just finding an owl. But that when I took a flashlight and looked in my backyard, I'm like, where is it? It's right. It was like, and it's kind of in the neighbor, the goofy neighbor's yard. And I just went and I could literally not just see the rat, excuse me, see the owl, but I could see him chewing on what is obviously a rat because the tail is coming down from the tree. Uh, and I'm just going, <gasps> like, I was able to see all that. Like, what are the chances that the owl's like, yo, I'm here and I'm eating this rat and you're going to be on a podcast talking about rat eating. That's really it. I mean, it's sort of like what mm-hmm. I was saying about my silly, I mean, my, compared to what we're talking about, my dog losses, you know. Oh my but, God, shut the front door. But, That's your baby. But, but I will say that the thing is, is that I said to my husband, I have to, I have to get it from the rat to, to the owl. I have, I mean, I did essentially metaphorically. Right, right. I mean, I had to get, you have to get the sustenance from the life that has been your, in your life. And if you don't get the sustenance of it, I mean, I love Nita. I love. I'm obsessed, and I almost want to have a whole podcast on like the beauty of death mm-hmm. because um, I just think we, 
because that's the kind of thought that whether or not it's true, whether who cares, right? Exactly. Like, let's use that, not that, that to, to, to chew the rat, to make, to make the rat meal sustaining as opposed to painful and awful. It can be both. Mm-hmm. And we need that. I love, I mean, Kim, I'm obsessed with the sustenance word you chose because to think of that rat, this negative thinking, this whatever it is, as something that you grow from, that you build from. I just, mm-hmm. I love that. Talking to this, this idea that it isn't real or not, or not real, but that you're using it for some sort of a meditative way. I use this example. George Mumford wrote a book and he's the athlete. He does this athletic um, meditations. He was with Kobe Bryant where they really kind of meditate. They get into a deep meditative state so that they can go on and be amazing athletes. They have to get in a certain mindset. And as a self-taught house builder and designer, there is a crazy ritual that I go through that when I go to the the houses, I kind of close my eyes. I'm barefoot. I sort of envision myself in the place. And then I design from there. I'm really communicating and vibing. That's what I say to your diviner. And I'm kind of vibing with the client or whatever it is, right? So all these different aspects. So when this happened with the mountain thing and the, and the whole world, um, I remembered saying to my husband, I said, you know, it's kind of like art or it's like music, what happened. It's that I'm looking at it and I'm enjoying it. Is it true or not? You don't say that an art is true. You don't even say that music is true, right? You actually are looking at that experience as an enjoyment, as something that is giving me pleasure. So I decided that whole thing, which I've always been afraid of. When I get interviewed, I was interviewed recently in the um, New York Times, and they're interviewing me about something where I, I put these little pieces, it's, it's a long story, about things in walls, and I'm trying to give the house intention. And I, I was very embarrassed. I have to tell you, when that woman called me, I, I thought, how am I going to not sound like a quack or a weirdo that I'm talking about this kind of bringing intention in? And that's what I did. I brought it around to sports and sports psychology and getting into this whole what you have to do to get in a mindset. You see the boxer and he has the ritual and he's going in and there's all this music that pumps him up and he's he's in his mode, man. And I'm thinking in creativity, it's the same way. Is it not also the same in healing, right? What I had to do to get into it was my own experience. And, and I'm getting a little bit more comfortable, A, surrounding myself with people, like-minded people, and also in telling the story in a way that people will not look at me as like, I don't know, that lady's a quack or she's a wacko or what is she talking about? She can do some crazy voodoo in my house. Trying to find that shift in my business and have this conversation about, about what home is, and that's where Jenny and I talk a lot, about where home is and where you bring the spiritual element, what you need to do right now to heal with your dog and to heal. You're taking a talisman and you're putting it on your body. You've given energy to all of this. Is it real? Is it spirit? I don't even know what to call it. I kind of have, it just is a piece of art. That's why, you know, when you go to a certain place or you go to a certain, or you hold a certain object, it has meaning. And And I think that's why these conversations also have meaning. And listen, someone else could have looked outside their window that night and seen nothing. But you mm-hmm. happened to shine a flashlight and saw it and you were meant to see it yep. because it was part of your inner experience externalized and manifested in that image. And now we're talking about it as a metaphor for your cancer. One has to trust. When I was looking at the owl eating the rat, I didn't have anything about my cancer. I didn't have anything about anything, right? But then I looked at it like, wow, oh my God, he's eating the rat. It's so nasty or whatever. And then 
I kind of just left it, but it became part of it of just going like, huh, like it's a little flag. It gets set up on a little shelf and then you keep living and you go, wow, this is that Jungian, you know, story that now I'm inside of this. And then I take what it means to me. I don't see owls as being, I, I told some people like, oh my God, owls are harmonies of death. Like owls are bad. They're this. And I was like, I never, even when he was eating the rat or even hearing them at night, I'm not like, Ooh, someone's going to die. I just thought oh, there's an owl in the backyard. How awesome are <laughs> birds? Like, you know, and then, but then as time was going on and then that crazy, whatever that was, that being or something like that was showing me the owl. I literally just went, wait, what does this mean? And that's where quiet comes from. Sorry. I just read this quote, an owl is the wisest of all birds because the more it sees, the less it talks. I think that the owls, they became quiet because the quietness is, is where sort of that wisdom enters. You and know? I asked it. Remember, I asked the being. I said, okay, if that was real, because I'm thinking... This is, I'm signed, I'm, I'm American. I'm just kind of still a scientist head, right? I have to see things. And I just said, all right, well, if that was real, if this is actually happening, whatever, I'd just make the owls quiet, which I knew was not possible because the owls are really loud and crazy. So I just thought, I'm just going to say that if you're going to show me an owl, I'm just going to say, if it's quiet, then I know that there's something here for me to really, that this is juicy and good. And shit, it freaking got quiet. And Jenny is saying it too. I'm thinking that the quiet in this instance, the negative is what brought the sustenance. You, we mm. can't fear that negative. We have to like, just, we have to eat the fucking rat, you know, mm-hmm. like with a band, with reckless abandon and say, you know what? I need this rat to move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To not be afraid to uh, embrace it because maybe the owls are quiet because they're fed. Mm-hmm. You know? And that goes to the story of the wolf, you know, which wolf are we going to feed? And, and by the way, we need to feed both in a way, right? The sustenance. Mm-hmm. So. so let me say this. I think we have unscrambled the living daylights out of the rat and the owl. And I have to just say that both of you have been 100% amazing. I mean, amazing. I knew they would be. They're like, they're, they were like the perfect synchrony together. They really are. Now, to that end, I don't know if you remember, but we have something called the hot flash round, ladies. Camp. Pick one, sex or no sex? Sex. (laughs) Nada, sex or no sex? Sex. Okay, which best describes your approach to aging? A, let nature take its course, or B, color inject or cut me open as is necessary? Definitely A. Is there something in between? (laughs) You know what? 100% there is. Facials. (laughs) A little Botox. Can we work on it without cutting? Yes, you can. I'm with Veda. Okay. Um, Kim, which do you prefer, puberty or menopause? Puberty. Okay, Nada. I like menopause because um, I feel like there, speaking of the owl, I feel like there's a lot of uh, humility, mm-hmm. <laughs> the letting yeah. go of youth and what that represents and how life and the world works in your favor when you have that. And there's a lot of beauty and lessons that come when you get older and you can no longer rely on these things. Mm-hmm. There's a lot like of that. beauty in not using the obvious. Yeah, for sure. Beauty. And what about you, Kim? Why, do you, why did you pick? Um, my, my idea of what my experience actually with menopause was kind of different because I went into chemically induced menopause. So it was within like a month. It was like, it just was this freight train and it, it really just wasn't pleasant. And because of my headspace at the time, 
um, you know, just I might die and all this stuff. It was a whole different ballgame. I didn't get to enjoy what I would have loved, which is slowly getting into it and slowly getting into hot flashes and kind of thinking about it. And da, da, da. I didn't have that. And in relation to puberty, I could say that for me, you know, I moved out, right? Like I was not attractive. I can tell you that I was a super unattractive kid at school. I was always called the ugliest. I got dog food at my, at the, at the class I'd open up a box and it's like dog For food. Listener, she's absolutely beautiful. But anyway, so I literally couldn't, I mean, it, it was, and then I became, I went into puberty and all kinds of things started happening where I, I was really enjoying my body. I was like, wow. And I also saw this power from being unattractive in high school and onward or lower than high school, but being in a small school. So we all knew each other. So because I was ugly in fifth grade meant that in, you know, in high school, I'm still ugly. I'm still in that bad, ugly group. Um, I know that that shifted everything for me and I started to blossom and I got to use my body and I, and especially the era in New York city. I mean, I was a straight up hoe, happy hoe, (laughs) (laughs) but I got to use it. So for me, that was like an opening and a freedom and I don't need anybody. I didn't need a man. I didn't need my parents. You know, I was able to take off. So for me, I had that. And then my menopause was you know kind of sucky. Okay. I love both of those answers. Okay. Pick one. Um, Kim, Screens or no screens? Screens. Nada? No screens. Okay. Um, what is the best thing, Kim, about insomnia? Thinking. Thinking and, and, and repairing, fixing, coming up with solutions. Oh, I like that. Um, Nada, since you don't have insomnia, what's the best thing about not having <laughs> insomnia? <laughs> well, I will compare insomnia, insomnia to quiet moments. And the mm-hmm. thing, Kim, to be able to work it out. And what, Kim, is the worst thing about insomnia? The anxiety of not being all what I wouldn't what I would like to say is all me, that I'm not all there, or that I'm I have to I have to rely on coffee or something. And for me, um, I think it's anxiety as well in the moments where I haven't been able to sleep. It's it's worrying about tomorrow. It's going to be an awful day tomorrow because I haven't slept. Like the worrying about tomorrow and what that might be because I didn't get sleep. That's what I don't like. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Kim, what is the best or worst thing about having kids? I guess the best is personal growth and not being self-centered to be able to see what it is that they need and understand the context of where they're coming from and utilizing what we know from our own parents and how we can, I don't mean not be like them, but understand what I'm bringing to the party, what we're bringing into the party, and then watching them do the same thing, like watching them grow and just and realize that that's part of like, wow, I have a lot of responsibility here. Nada? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Kim. The best is the transformation in self. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it's a very humbling experience. And also, um, I have two girls. So the best is just having truly great friends that make you laugh all day long. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part is that they're quite abusive sometimes. <laughs> For real. They're really downright mean. <laughs> I hear that. I can relate to that too. What? Humility. Humility. I love that. Okay, Kim, what is the, has been the most surprising thing about middle age? Oh, that I still like my body. I thought that, you know, you kept hearing people like, oh, you know, and I know it's taken me a minute because I'm also pretty cut up now because of the surgeries, but 
the idea that I'm in this vessel that is able to do these things and I'm 56 years old and I'm out there hiking and I'm just doing it and I'm feeling really good. I know there's a change and it's shifty and I get it, but the fact that I'm still in here, I mean, again, I'm bringing my context in, but I just kind of have like, look at you. You went through all that. (laughs) Okay. Nada, what is the most surprising thing about middle age? You know, when I was younger, I used to watch that show called 30 something and I yep. used to think they were so old. And now in my 50s, I realize not so old. There's a lot of so many exciting things about being 50 and life is still amazing. And, you know, same thing that you're saying, Kim, I'm working out mm-hmm. and I'm doing everything that I used to do. So this may be similar, but maybe you'll have a different answer. What is the best thing, Kim, about middle age? The best thing, I would say that the best thing about middle age would be, yeah, the surprise of my body. I'm still horny for my husband. <laughs> That's great. And um, yeah, just just taking it, just be able to be in this body the way that I am. And also being wiser and being able to look at people to be more patient. And, and for instance, at my work where I used to be like, these people are idiots. I'm now taking a beat and thinking my job is to actually teach. And that goes back to the kids, the boys as well. You are the owl, Kim. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of many owls. Let's be clear. Uh, again, I agree with everything Kim's saying. I feel that too. So, so in an effort to find another thing, I would say, I love that at this age, I don't need to apologize to put boundaries up or say no. I'm so mm. clear who I want to surround myself mm. with, things I want to do or not do without guilt or, or, you know, being young and smiley and be like, oh, that's okay. I'll do that. No. It's just, I kind of still have that. I still have some Catholic business right there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And finally, you two amazing women, if you had to pick one word, a cuss word or otherwise to describe middle age, what would it be? Hot. (laughs) (laughs) No fucking hot. (laughs) At every level. You're fucking hot. You're sweating like a pig. You're hot as hell shaking your booty. You're hot. You're hot. You're a hot mess. It's all hot. I love it. <laughs> I don't know. That's quite a mic drop. I mean, I say we leave it at that. <laughs> well, I just want to say this has been this deep conversation about owls and rats and, and, and just middle age. And I think it's also relevant. And I'm just honored to know both of these ladies and, and um, these conversations. I'm just looking forward to them every Sunday. It's so much fun. Tim, thank you so much for bearing your your soul. That was really impressive that you were able to go there with us. And I, I really applaud your bravery in that. That is the one thing that I just noticed right off the bat about Kim is that you're so raw and honest. You know, there's nothing to apologize about here. And I feel the same way about Nada. Like there's, and like, you know, when you're this age, you filter out all the people like Nada was saying that you just don't want to be around. And these mm-hmm. are the women that I want to be around. These yeah. are my, as to use the last podcast, these are my front row. I just want to say thank you both again. Jenny, it was great to see you this Sunday. And for the Midnight Ramblings, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week. If you like this podcast, please share it, subscribe, or go to our website at themidnightramblings.com. Go to the contact page and become a fansomniac to receive notifications of our latest podcasts. Thanks again for listening.